It's so interesting that I don't um, uh, meet with the musicians and ask them to play particular tunes. I just allow them to do what is on their heart based on what they feel. And, it, and the songs are always just so uh, coordinated and complementary to the talk all the time. It's just I keep my hands off of it, and it works out perfectly. And isn't that a great lesson in life? <laughs> So we are in the month of Cherish the Human Family. Cherish our human family. And today's talk is titled Along the Lines. And what do you think I meant by that? I don't know. I was like, what did I mean by that? I write these talk titles months, months in advance. But here's what I know. We develop along lines. We develop along the lines of our species. Right? We develop along the lines of our heritage, our culture, our nationality, our tribe, our, our, our biological family. We, we develop along these lines. We travel, as we get older, along the lines of our decisions as well. Right? We unfold along the lines. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, we cannot live a choiceless life. Every day, every moment, every second, there is a choice. If it were not so, we would not be individuals. So as we awaken or come to a, a faith tradition, something like this, we kind of we, we start making better decisions. We start looking within, right, and making more conscious choices. We change the lines that we're traveling. Those lines alter as we grow and evolve. You know, from the very beginning, the development of our species, right? We are the product of evolutionary history. We can see common ancestry, right? Mammals become more mammals. That's kind of the way it's been, right? Um, however, when you look at the evolutionary trail, you see evidence of what has gone before, right? In the developing embryo, there is evidence of gills. There is evidence of tails. In the human embryo, don't look so shocked. <laughs> although, I've got to say, although science has refuted the ontology recapitulates um, ph phylogeny, right, a long time ago, that theory which states that embryos must go through every single stage of evolutionary precursors. So that, that theory has kind of been dismissed uh, to a certain extent. You know, for example, um, the uh, ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny would say that a, a baby chick must go through every single evolutionary stage before it becomes a baby chick. Um, in the egg, it would have to go through a single-celled organism, then a multi-celled invertebrate ancestor, then become a fish, then become a lizard-like reptile, then become an ancestral bird, and and then finally become a baby chick in, in the egg. And we know that that does not happen. So that theory has kind of been placed by the wayside. But we do know what happens when we observe the development is that in the middle of development, in what's considered the hourglass point of our development, similarities of earlier evolutionary aspects occur. And then they go on to diversify from there. So yes. Human embryos do have gill-like structures at that midpoint, at that hourglass point of our development, but they're not gills. They're gill-like structures, right? They, they actually go on to become our ear and, and our jaw and things like that. 
But, but this is what's, so, what's interesting about this is that it points to the evidence of common ancestry, right? Birds, mammals, reptiles, they all go through those common phases in their embryonic development. Insects go through similar phases of their own but phases not shared by mammals. Insects have their own evolutionary development, mammals have their own. So we develop along those lines as well. We develop along the lines of our heritage, right? Think about it, when you were, when you were born, when you came into being, right, you were taught to speak the language your parents spoke. We all did, right? We engaged in the traditions our family engaged in, religious, cultural, familial, I grew up in New York. I spoke English. I was a practicing Catholic. I went to public school. I celebrated Easter and Christmas and communions and confirmations and birthdays and anniversaries and graduations and marriages, because that's what our family did, right? My family, I mean, we were all Christians, and yet within that same group, there were, there were differences. Right? And you would know that within your own family group. Some of us went to midnight mass on Christmas. Some went to church on Christmas Day. Some didn't go to church at all. You know, and still we, we were considered in the same family. So even within the same faith, we developed along different lines. We develop along different lines all the time. And then there are the differences that go on even beyond the way we were raised, right? When you start reaching a certain age, and you start looking at what other family does, what other friends do, friends who may not even share your religion or your traditions, right? I had Jewish friends uh, in junior high school. I learned what they did. I learned their customs. I learned their foods. I learned their celebra celebrations and their ceremonies, went to bar mitzvahs. You know, it's about enlarging what we see, but, but observing that different people evolve along different lines, and yet, and yet, we are still all part of one human family. Ernest Holmes said, you are united with all. No exceptions, that was my said, okay. <laughs> Let me go back to Ernest. You are united with all. You are one with the eternal light itself. The presence of spirit within you blesses everyone you meet, tends to heal everything you touch, brings gladness into the life of everyone you contact. Therefore, you are the blessing to yourself, to mankind, to the day in which you live. We are the blessing because we are spirit and form. So, so our individual family, regardless of what lines we have chosen to evolve along, we have this in common that we are all part of this huge family. You know, and then there are, there are cultural differences also as we evolve along different lines. Did you, have, are, did you come from a musical family? Anybody come from a musical family? Like where everybody played something, right? Isn't that awesome? I did not have that. And we listened to music and we enjoyed music, but, but it was so interesting to, to be friends with a family where everybody played a musical instrument and they would get together and just play together. That's just fascinating. Some families are sports families. Right? And I bet you've known some of those growing up where everybody played a sport. You had mom and dad were track and field, or somebody was tennis, or somebody was right basketball, baseball, whatever. Everybody played a sport. Yeah, you know, my family wasn't one of those either. <laughs> 
But you know what I'm talking about, right? And they develop along those lines. They're sports families. Some, some families I, I knew growing up in New York were, were vacation traveling families. Everybody got thrown into the RV. As soon as there was a week off or a long weekend or something, everybody got thrown in the RV and they went someplace, right? Some families were staycationers. We had a backyard, we had a pool, enjoy it, <laughs> right? So, so those are also different lines. We grow along the lines and it's not until we're exposed to other ways, other traditions, other rituals, other celebrations, do we start to even consider that life might be somehow different from the way in which we saw it, right? In the way in which we were, we were raised. Ernest Holmes said, there, there can be no choice unless there's something to choose from, right? Otherwise, the ability to choose would be merely a fantasy. Therefore, there must not only be the possibility of choice, but the liability of experiencing that which is chosen. So it means that there are consequences to our choices, right? There are always consequences. We're free to choose, but we are not free to exempt ourselves from the consequences. What, what happens after we choose happens. And those of us in, in this faith tradition, right, and other faith traditions like this one, are committed to our journey of change and self-exploration and personal growth. That's what this faith tradition is about, isn't it? It's the unfolding of our soul on this ever-widening, uh, expanding path of self-actualization. And... and and when we observe other people doing other things, engaged in other behaviors, participating in other activities, we begin to realize that there are infinite choices. There are infinite choices in this thing called life. Most of us are here in this room, I think, because we left another faith tradition. We left the faith tradition of our childhood. Anybody come from a different faith? Yeah, look around, you know, a few of us were raised in religious science, but not many, not many of us. We usually grow up in the faith tradition of our parents, or at least one parent, one or the other, right? And we stay in that group that our parents were involved in, and it's not until we realize that there are other ways to be, that there are other ways of belief, do we begin to question what is true about life and what is true about our place in it we begin to question our own personal cosmology, right? The universe and where we fit in. And we begin to develop along different lines. We begin to develop along those different lines than what we were raised in. And we have that freedom to question and then to choose. And then we choose different lines, right? Not the lines that were chosen for us when we came into this world but we begin to choose different lines. We grow, we see different ways of being, and we choose different paths, and our line alters. We choose uh, different ways of, of political affiliation, right? You may or may not be the same political affiliation as your parents. You choose religious differences, you choose spiritual differences, food differences, vacations, hobbies, music. You choose all of that at some point when we question it. We choose to live the life we live. Ernest Holmes said, the special attribute of self-consciousness is that which gives us the power of choice. This is certainly a supreme gift 
of God to the human. It enables him or her to choose his own destiny, accepting divine wisdom and power in such ways that he, that he can have that chosen destiny become his experience. So we get to choose, and then we get to live the consequences of that choice. And this is that great expansiveness of our lives, isn't it? When we discover there's more to life than the way we were raised by our parents. There's an infinite way to express life. And we go from this small sphere of availability, the way we were raised in our own little family, in our own little bubble, with our own little siblings and parents and neighborhood, do we get this larger sphere of availability? There's something bigger out there calling for us, enlarging us, expanding us, growing us. Everything gets bigger. There's so much to choose from. There is, an, there is an infinite amount of choices in the world. And then we choose something different. We choose something different from our family of origin, right? <laughs> and that's where all the trouble starts. But that's another talk altogether. <laughs> but we start living a different way. We find others that, we, that resonate with our choices, right? We make different choices, and then we find others who share our opinions or beliefs about this new way of thinking or doing something. And then, and then it's... It's really good to have a group of like-minded people who share our passions and share our pursuits because we have changed and now our group is beginning to change. And so we, we resonate, we are attracted to, we align with different groups. We find our new tribe, right? I, someone said um, sometimes it's not biological family, but it's logical family. <laughs> and I love that. It is. It is. But here's the interesting thing about that. When we start going down that pathway, sometimes what looks like enlarging our world, we start to shrink because we begin to look at our new way as the only way, right? Our views can narrow until we begin to think that what we are doing is the only right way to do that thing whether it's religion or giving up smoking or a, a particular diet, we can lose objectivity at the very same time we're seeking to express a new way of being. And this is the cautionary tale, isn't it? We read things that support our way of thinking, our new way of thinking. We hang only with those people that align with our new way of being in the world. We reinforce what we think is right with other people that agree with us. We have our little briefcase we carry around with us. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a this, right? You, get, you agree? You agree, right? We use our new friends or our news channel or our research papers to prove our point. This is the way, this new way of being is the only way to be, right? Now these things can start to create a smaller world. So you can see where we have branched out, we've enlarged, we've expanded it now. We can make our world as small as when we, are, when we were young, instead of making it bigger. As we follow a spiritual path, we can narrow ourselves down. As we get deeper and deeper into it, and our lives change for the better, and we love the path we're on, well, who wouldn't want that for their friends and family, right? Absolutely, so we start proselytizing. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. <laughs> Right? Here's what you need to do. I'm going to tell you, do it this way. No, not that way. This way is better. Right? 
And you know what that is? That's fundamentalism creeping in. And there are, look, there are fundamentalist religious scientists. They really are. This is the only way there, you know, this is the only way it is. My way is the right way, right? My way is the right way. Your keto diet works perfectly for you, so you want everybody to feel as good as you do, right? So everybody should be on the keto diet. Uh, don't do what you're doing. Do this instead. It works. It's better, right? Be a vegan. Don't eat animal products at all. Be a vegetarian. Try the raw food diet. On and on it goes, right? Do free weights. No, don't do free weights. Do machines. No, don't do machines. Do full body pull-ups. No, don't do that. Do Pilates. That's the way to be. <sighs> you know, there is nothing wrong with sharing what works for us. Now, and I'm not saying to not do that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with, with, with sharing. What works for us? What's made us so happy? What has made us so self-actualized and expansive? What has answered our questions and what has answered our personal cosmology about the world? But where it goes wrong is when we begin to rate and rank all of these options. With ours being the best, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> What I do is better than what you do. And then judging others as inferior because they're doing something different. And that's always where we run foul, right? It's always where we go astray, is when we fall into the, oh, well, let me tell you what to do. <laughs> I don't know what you should do. Half the time, I don't know what I should do. <laughs> but I know one that does, right? We go to prayer. We just go to prayer. Ernest Holmes in The Spiritual Universe and You, he said, there is within each of us an intelligence which can be called upon utilized and experienced. Blessed are they who have not seen in confidence, believe and recognize that in themselves, the creator of all things has poured forth a supreme gift. The ability to choose for themselves what they will think and then create for themselves a life filled with all the good that they can imagine. This is your personal communion with spirit. The thing about choosing is that it is an individual thing. That's what I love about this philosophy of ours. It is an individual path. It's a personal path. And what is right for me may or may not be right for you. There are many, many pathways to the top of the mountain. Right? You've heard that proverb about there are hundreds of paths up the mountain, all leading to the same place. So it doesn't matter what path you take. The only person wasting time is the one who continues to run around the mountain telling everyone else his or her way is wrong. So we are free to develop along our own personal pathways. This teaching, Ernest Holmes said, is, is open at the top for further revelation. And the idea being that we find what works for us. We continue to live the principles of this faith philosophy. We continue to pray. We continue to meditate. We do the things that work for us. And we step on our path one foot after, in front of the other. Little penguin steps. Right? And there are always the little penguin steps, the little willingness to evolve further and further. And we develop along the lines. We develop along our own lines, our own spiritual pathway, unique 
have never, never before or never again. What are there, seven and a half billion of us on the planet? No two paths are alike. No two beings are alike. Each and every one of us is a unique thread in that tapestry of all life. And it wouldn't be the same without your thread, your unique color and, and thickness and length and brilliance and necessary to the overall tapestry. We can celebrate all of life, unique lines, each and every one of us. Those lines in the threads, as the threads of the tapestry of life, so different, so unique, no two alike. You have never been before and you will never be again. And you are here now at this time to give your unique gift as only you can. Each of us, that thread, making up the tapestry, the masterpiece that is our lives. Thank you so much.